You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Positive Online Results in a COVID-Positive World and features experts from Chargebacks 911 and Adbiti. Welcome to the webinar, Positive Online Results in a COVID-Positive World, webinar panel discussion with Chargebacks 911 and Ed Glad you could join us. We're going to cover some things today that has uh, really changed the market over the past several months in a number of industries. We're glad to have our folks with us today. And joining us as our resident experts are Mark Nolte, VP of Global Strategic Partnerships with Adbiti, Melissa Fitzsimmons, VP of Customer Success at Chargebacks 911, and my name is Don Bush, and I'm with Chargebacks 911. I'll be your moderator today. Hi, Mark and Mel. Uh, can you both hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Loud and clear. Terrific. Terrific. Glad you could join us today. We're going to cover a lot of ground over the next few minutes, but before we start, I wanted to give you both an opportunity to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your company, and uh, we'll do some housekeeping uh, after that. Sure. Mark, hey, guys. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, thanks, Don. Uh, well, this is Mark speaking. Uh, I'm uh, calling in from Amsterdam, the Netherlands, where Advidi is based. Um, we're an affiliate a network um, that uh, has been around since uh, 2012. Uh, our main verticals that we operate in at the moment are, are dating, sweepstakes, Nutra, and Casino. And uh, we got some more projects on the way uh, in uh, e-commerce and in travel. And I think that, uh, yeah, for us, uh, it's uh, really exciting to, uh, to have our first webinar together with Chargeback 911. Um, my uh, role in the company is uh, specifically uh, Know, to forge relationships with uh, with companies like Chargeback, but also with uh, larger advertisers and uh, and affiliates, to that uh, uh, that we may not expect for maybe a normal sales manager. And uh, yeah, I hope to uh, talk to you today about how we do that and what we see uh, for the future of this uh, industry. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you being here. Looking forward to uh, your many years of uh, wisdom and experience as we talk about this. Mel, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, you and uh, Chargebacks 911. Yeah, sure. So, hi, guys. Um, my name is Melissa Fitzsimmons, and I'm the VP of Customer Success at Chargebacks 911, like Don had said. I'm super excited to be here today, especially presenting with Mark and Edvidi. Um, my background actually started in affiliate marketing um, way back in 2006, and then I have been at Chargebacks 911, kind of the opposite uh, end of the spectrum, from traffic to kind of you know back end um, operational type things for advertisers and merchants um, for about past three years, and it's just been so amazing to see. Um, it's just a whole new world and everything that people deal with. Um, but as everyone might know, Chargeback 911 is a full rain um, chargeback management system um, and uh, software. So yeah, we are so excited to be partnering with Adviti today. And obviously, since I have an affiliate background, this one's very close to my heart. 
and we just adore having partners that are strategic like them. So I'm so excited for this. Thanks, Mel. Looking forward to it. And uh, you can't say way back in 2006, you're not that old. So uh, no, I mean, can't go. In this industry, <laughs> it's like dog years. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go with that then. Well, today we want to, there's, there's several things we want to talk about, but as we start looking at this agenda, I want to give you a little bit of uh, tips and tricks on how to use your panel. Over on the GoToWebinar panel, you'll see several things in there. One of them is a chat box. Please feel free to chat uh, with the, the, the panelists if you'd like to. If you've got a question, though, there's a question uh, section. Go ahead and write that question in any time during this webinar. You don't have to wait until the end to ask questions. You can ask any time. As we go through several topics, if something comes to mind, simply type that in there, and I will address that with Mark and with Mel. So feel free at any time. Also on your panel, there's a little section called Handouts, and there are two handouts, one from Chargebacks 911, one from Edvidi, giving you a little bit more information. And I think that is going to be a great supplement to what we talk about today. Anytime you'd like, click on those and download those for your own use. Uh, you can do that anytime during the webinar. If there are any other issues, feel free to uh, chat those in there and we'll try and take care of technical things as we go along. Occasionally the internet doesn't uh, cooperate, but I think right now everything's looking good. We're gonna look at what we've learned from a global pandemic. I mean, we've been in this thing for seven or eight months now. What are we looking at now in the market? There's traffic trends and market trends uh, through a regulated industry that can be difficult. What verticals are, are having success and one, what, what ones are struggling? There's, you know, as we get people registered for these webinars, we get an opportunity to let them type in questions or concerns they have. And one of those is something about pre-checks and Mark's gonna address that later. And then we're gonna talk about uh, the increase chargebacks that everybody is seeing across the board and then we'll talk about how we collaborate we think and the reason we're doing these webinars together with our partners is collaboration is the best way for merchants and online retailers everywhere to win more and to be more successful you're not out there alone you've got some great partners with some great expertise and industry knowledge that can help so with that Let's get started and talk about what are some of the lessons we've learned from this global pandemic. We've seen sales go crazy in different segments and different places. Mel, what are you seeing when we start looking at what's happened over the last several months? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't even think I know what's really happened to myself in the past couple of months, but um, <laughs> in terms of where everyone is, the slide really sums it up. You know, we're seeing insane amounts of um, almost forced e-commerce growth um, worthwhile what would have been 10 years condensed into about like a couple months um, so we're seeing mass amounts of increased transactions um, mass amounts of strain on how you have the resources for supporting those transactions um, both from acquiring it from marks end all the way through to what happens on the chargeback side. Um, so for us, I think that the biggest thing has been how to help deal with mass amounts of scale. And I do think that scale is probably the hardest thing that an advertiser has to come up against um, at any at any point. Um, 
really what we saw and what you can base coronavirus and or COVID-19, however you want to call it, down to is that we it's a, a vacuum where we saw mass amounts of scale in a very, very short period of time. Um, and then all the stressors that go with it on top of everyone being remote and away and adjusting on every level of the chain that affects, you know, a transaction and a post-transaction situation, which has been stressful. So, so Mark, when you start talking about volume and, and volume issues, what are some of the things that you found that have uh, both hurt uh, or hindered and helped folks out there? Yeah, I think that one of the one of the things that Mel just said is kind of like the forced growth is something that uh, that we've seen uh, in dating, especially because uh, dating is, is basically the lion's share of, of, uh, of what our company does because it's where we were founded on. And yeah, when you lock people inside and say like they can't interact uh, in person with people, then uh, then they're going to look for that online. So we've seen a giant spike in that, um, but it doesn't automatically for us uh, also uh, sometimes uh, mean that, the, that those people are going to start spending uh, online as well. It's just that they're forced into a certain corner. And I think that that's where, uh, you know, it, uh, it pushes on uh, on us as a, as a, as a network uh, partner uh, to really analyze like uh, what kind of traffic we're sending and how is it backing out. And that's, uh, that's I think, uh, as true in, in any other vertical, but uh, yeah, we've seen it in dating, especially. What about diversification? Any, you know, I know dating is, a, is a, your specialty, I think, but you've got several other areas that you work in. What about diversification during a time like this? Yeah, I mean, we, we've, seen, uh, we've seen shifts from going back and forth from one vertical to the next, but definitely we're happy that we're, we're no longer just a dating network. Um, uh, with, uh, with sweepstakes, Nutra and, and Casino uh, all basically uh, battling for, uh, for the other spots. Um, yeah, it, it just feels good that you don't really have to lean on, on one's particular vertical, even though dating is doing well now. But uh, it's just nice to see that, uh, that uh, with uh, seasonality, but also with, uh, with market trends shifting, that uh, I would advise anybody who's running a company, especially an affiliate network, to never be that one trick pony. So, uh, yeah, and I think that, you know, our shift definitely has been, we've seen people going from Nutra to, to sweepstakes, and uh, we're doing our very best to uh, to help uh, advertisers make that transition uh, with advising them, with showing them what, um, uh, what types of risks out there, but also what kind of type of gains are out there. So, you know, we had this shift from work in the office to work from home. How has that gone? Uh, well, I mean, it was a shock for everyone. I mean, here in the, in the Netherlands, basically, as of uh, early March, uh, we've progressively gotten more regulations and now we have a second wave. So yeah, uh, working at home has been, you know, a new standard. Um, I, I think that, that uh, we were surprised by how well it worked out for us. Uh, of course, it's a big experiment that we're kind of um, have to have to do with the company that uh, that prized itself at having a nice office, having uh, nice colleagues, everybody uh, hanging out together uh, in the office, but also outside of that. And what do you, you know? What do you still have from that once you take a, you take that away and everybody's working from home? Well, the results uh, are are amazing. Like we're we're uh, 
I, I'm, I'm happy to say that we've made our year target suddenly in October already. So that's uh, something we're really proud of. But uh, also like we spent a lot of time and effort to make sure that we mimic basically the, the office environment uh, in an online setting. So our, our tech department has rebuilt basically the whole uh, company uh, within Discord. So you have uh, anything from the meeting rooms to actually the physical desk that people sit at. So even the coffee corner is is built as chat rooms where people can hang out and uh, and have conversations with each other as if they were sitting next to each other. They're, yeah, unfortunately all sitting at home. So I think that's, you know, with with the right type of technological support, we've seen that we can uh, we can catch a lot of it. But I do have to, re uh, I do have to, uh, Acknowledge that uh, you know we much rather be all sitting together in the office and uh, and have that experience, but we have to do with uh, what we have to do. Well, I, uh, hopefully one of these days we'll get back to that, and uh, glad that that's yeah. worked out. But you know, as you start talking about diversification, work from home, scale, the new normal of what we can and what we can't do, you mentioned a couple of industries that are thriving and a couple that are struggling. Could you could you bring those? Talk a little bit more about those. Yeah, sure. I think that uh, that if we uh, if we look at the, what I said, like dating for us has has, has gone well. Um, we've we've heard several uh, neutral advertisers over the summer really, you know, uh, finding a lot of issues with with uh, with moving hard goods, with being dependent on a lot of other service providers uh, that they might not have in house that had staffing issues or had supply issues. Um, so that's where, um, yeah, that's where we we help some of them move to uh, to digital goods and and see if we can uh, can transfer them over to sweepstakes. And therefore, sweepstakes we've really seen uh, take up a solid number two position in our network, uh, where before that was always like in uh, maybe a number three position. And um, I, yeah, we're really happy with it. We've seen uh, a bunch of our clients be really happy with the uh, amount of headache that it gives versus the amount of uh, uh, yeah, revenue that it produces. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the, that those are kind of the shifts, that the, the back and forth that we see. But we'll see what happens now with Q4 and uh, Q1 if uh, if uh, if that transitions over back to neutral heavy. So, if um, this isn't a plug for Aditi, I'm just asking the question because it's come up here. Is if somebody needs advice on that diversification or maybe shifting for a period is is a BD uh, able to consult that way and help help others out? Yeah, I mean, we're always going to take uh, an advisory role and 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 can show you uh, what we think works well, but we can show you the risks. Uh, uh, we're trying to be super transparent of like what kind of traffic we have available, but uh, in terms of volume, but also like what you uh, what kind of traffic you want. I mean, there's there's different risk profiles and performance. On, a, on an email versus display versus native versus uh, survey versus you know social. So that's something that, that we want to be open and transparent with our advertiser about so they know what they, they're getting and, they, and they, uh, they can pick themselves. Terrific. We just had a question come in that said, what type of dating vertical does Edvidi cover? Is this casual or traditional? This is uh, all casual. Okay. Great. Well, about Go ahead, Mel. Um, sorry, God. About um, other markets that we do are we that we are seeing well. So I'm going to definitely echo what Mark is saying. We are seeing people um, transition. 
I wouldn't say fully transitioned, but people are diversifying faster than they would have to more digital goods. If you are looking at specific hard goods, and what we've been seeing are good um, still working in terms of like nutraceuticals, I think it would make complete sense that we would all know that CBD has been doing really well this year. Um, people are very stressed out. And if there was ever a time for CBD, CBD to become more mainstream, uh, this was it. So um, lots of, of that flying around and then, you know, kind of to echo off of, you know, casual dating. Um, I also do think that male enhancement has also taken off. You know, lots of people are at home. Um, we're going to keep this PG, but, you know, a lot of people are at home and stressed and um, all that makes sense. And the good thing is that traditionally we do see that CBD and male enhancement in terms of physical products do have the lower end of chargebacks, which is great. Yeah, I think thanks for your right. thanks for the PG part of that, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I think I think also we we've seen like uh, we've seen a lot of success uh, within the, what we call the neutral vertical within CBD. I, we've never, I think, in the history of uh, of VD have seen so many variations of CBD products from 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 gels to 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 candy to uh, to oils. It's uh, they're trying to put it in everything. Cool. Well, it's nice to have some of those options and the expertise of folks to know, hey, here's where you may look for other opportunities right now. And, you know, Mark, you talked about some of these uh, market trends. Some of these um, may not have been too evident to others, but you with the amount of traffic that you've got through, you've seen some of these. You want to talk about things like, you know, the transition you've mentioned a little bit, but Facebook performance, social and things like that. What did, how did that get affected? Yeah, so I'm uh, next to the uh, next to the, the acquisition team and the strategic partnerships that I'm responsible for. I'm also um, uh, uh, this year we started up a an e-commerce project to really have uh, uh, a dedicated e-com uh, vertical within Advidi. We're doing that through a strategic uh, strategic partnership, and um, we're buying internally Facebook uh, traffic for that. Uh, which is something that we've seen, especially in, in summer and, and autumn, uh, Facebook was acting really weird and the performance issues were all over the place. And good thing we, we were able to lean on a lot of the guys that we've been working with for a long time to ask questions, to, to get information. And uh, even though, yeah, it sucks that, that, the, that the traffic wasn't performing the way we wanted, we did see that it was across the board, people were struggling and couldn't find the answer. Uh, which kind of helps you with, when you're, you know, isolated in uh, tiny old Amsterdam that you're thinking like, hey, am I doing the right thing? Are we just uh, messing up royally here? Or, and then you see like, oh, actually, guys that are doing this for 10 plus years have also the same issues. So that's, so that's actually really great and, and encouraging. And we're all excited because we already see the changes now coming and, um, and it, uh, and it uh, switching over to, uh, to actually performing a lot better now uh, in Q4. Um, yeah, and I think that that for us also, a lot of our uh, uh, interactions with with our clients were taken away because of Corona, with no conferences and 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 no uh, trips to be had. So then we go to social media and try to to uh, reach out and have those conversations and see what people are doing and what are they working on. And you could just, for us at least, it was it was so dominated uh, by by the uh, U.S. elections that it kind of took away from the usual friendly chit chat from the business ideas from the hey i'm looking for this hey i'm offering that and that yeah kind of it it just was it was very apparent this year this year that that uh, 
that uh, was taking place. When you talk about new alternatives, what do you mean by that? And uh, in, in, in uh, new alternatives in the cash and delivery uh, industry. Well, so we just said uh, we had did have one person go to the uh, to the Russian show uh, to Mac MAC, um, and yeah, he said like one of the one of the um, issues that the cash and delivery industry, which is a uh, nutraceuticals, is having is to send people to the houses to actually have a physical interaction uh, and and hand over the product and get payment for the. Uh, for the order, so they had to they had to come up with a new way of actually uh, the, to to make the business model work. Employees and of course clients that were like, hey, this is not something in these uh, Corona times that we can have. So actually, the cash and delivery industry, especially in 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 CIS and and, and tier two countries, is switching over to more of like what we see also in um, in dating, like a double opt in. So you get called right away after you made your purchase. By call center, and they send you a link uh, through your through your phone. You pay through there, and that's kind of like the the shift we're seeing in something that would require beforehand a face to face interaction. So another shift on the fly, right? You you gotta yeah. I mean yeah. So um, what do credit limits have to do with all of this? Well, I think that uh, that uh, we spoke about this before, and I think that we pride ourselves in 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 Atvidi to be really conscious of like how much credit we're extending, uh, you know, our our financial health of our company, and, uh, and and trying to make sure that we don't overextend ourselves. Uh, we learned our lesson back in late 2016, early 2017. We had some clients of ours who really said. Uh, you know, we were promising us mountains of gold, and in the end, when the bill came, they were skipping out on it. And uh, it, it taught us a, a, a you know a hard lesson. And I think that in 2017, we did a, a revamp of how we onboard people, how we um, how we vet them, how we treat them, how we scale up uh, in a sensible way. And I think that that's something that Advidi has always been, or at least like since then, has been really good at, um, where we see a lot of networks going under in the past few years because of these bad apples. Uh, we're still here, we're thriving, um, and we are not the ones to post on, you know, the, the, the people who don't pay and uh, like another 100,000 lost. So that's something we really want to stay away from, so. So when, when uh, you know, that's a discussion that I've heard over and over again, and you mentioned it before, so I wanted to bring it up here. When we start talking about pre-checks, because credit limits, you know, where people are, are uh, putting all their eggs. Um, you've talked about diversification. What are pre-checks? How do they work? What, what indicators give you, you know, good and bad signals? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, that the reason why I also want to talk about this uh, on the webinar is that I think that this is one of our most important ways of keeping you know the bad guys out of this out, out of our industry anybody in any sort of vertical who who doesn't want to pay their bills should be should be shunned and should be uh, uh, kept out now the way that Advidi is doing it is that um, we have an acquisition team that I'm uh, responsible for they acquire an, uh, an advertiser reach out to them there's a lot of paperwork involved in terms of like an IO that's being signed but uh, before that there's a list of 
about 20 to 30 questions ranging from how long they've been in the industry to uh, their uh, their company uh, to what their mid setup is, which banks they're with, which other networks they're working with. Um, from there on out, there's going to be a, a call. We would we always prefer to have a video call to make sure that we can look the person in the eye, like who am I talking to? Uh, is this somebody who's uh, running a big company, small company? Uh, what is our general feeling? Um, after that, the acquisition team is actually doing a presentation to the sales team, like, hey, I got this new client that we want on board. Um, and then the sales team can basically try to, you know, fire at it, like, well, what about this? What about that? Uh, have you thought about uh, X, Y, Z? Then the, uh, the acquisition team will either go back to the advertiser uh, and check on that. And then uh, guys like me will go and check with, for instance, our uh, uh, people that do debt collection or uh, guys like Chargeback 911 or maybe other networks where we do additional checks like, hey, is the information that we're getting correct? And what is your experience with this person? And I think that, you know, it's it's a lot of work, but it, and it's an unsexy part of our company and the industry, but it does help us so much with, uh, uh, you know, with not getting bad debt or invoices that are not paid. So I think that, uh, you know, in the end, it's, it's not the numbers you put on the board, but it's, uh, it's red numbers you keep off the board. Yeah, I think uh, as a best practice, you guys have, one, been stung by it before. So you've, you've got that, uh, that bad history for yourselves to go, hey, we stay out of that trouble by making these upfront moves and uh, yeah. best practice going forward. You know, one of the things that um, a pandemic has the tendency to do is to stress a business. And uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about stress because a stress test for a financial institution finds out where their weaknesses are, it finds out where they've got broken processes. Have you seen those stresses um, in the industry and where have you found those weaknesses? Sorry, Don, you, I, I dropped out. With the, can you one more time? Is stress test on the financial institutions? No, I just said that um, the pandemic has been a huge stress test on the industry. And, you know, when you do a stress test on the financial institution, you find out where their weaknesses are, where their processes are broken. You know, a pre-check seems like one of those processes that a stress test that endures the stress test. Have you seen stresses that have broken processes or been a problem for other um, folks you've seen in the industry? Yeah, I think that uh, that definitely one of the main indicators is something that uh, it, it 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 basically hangs on two things. It's one is the, is the transparency that it, that an advertiser is willing to give us, uh, and the other thing is is it's usually about their 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 mid setup, so their billing capabilities, which is your area of expertise as well. Is that we see if if they are not inclined to give us any information about it or their uh, shady about it or they're uh, they're not giving us the right information that's usually for us where as you call it where where the, where it breaks um, because with a you know with a volatile market as we have now with uh, uh, where there's a lot of uncertainties and then uh, you know at least the, the the foundation needs to be right and the foundation often lies within a solid mid setup and a, and, a, and a thorough knowledge the advertiser and and a transparency i think towards your um in this case are also us 
And I love that you use the word like shady there for a second, because I do think one of the silver linings of the, the pandemic has been that it's a really hard time to get into this industry if you aren't already established or if you are quote unquote a shady or bad apple that happens in the industry, it's a lot harder to operate with under that context right now. So the good thing that we have seen and what has happened is that I think that the industry is starting to mature, um, the industry that we work in in general, in terms of um, e-commerce high risk. I think that the world is going more towards subscription model um, everywhere you look that is happening. Um, so I think that we can start saying now, you know, this is kind of here to stay and how can vendors like Edvidi and Chargebacks 911 work together to help use their expertise to also raise the expertise of their clients together. And then that combination of the three, um, or even all the various, um, vendors that are out there plus the merchant are there to support and our extension of that client, um, all on one team. So I think what we've started to see, and Mark, you can let me know too, is that we are actually seeing less or fewer bad apples, more people who are willing to take and listen to ideas, improve their processes, improve a customer experience. And I think that that's such a, a great thing and, and necessary um, evolution of this industry that the pandemic helped squeeze a little bit faster. You know, it's... Uh... It's a, a, a great place for uh, another topic as we start talking about, you know, collaboration, as I mentioned earlier in the webinar, uh, collaborating, collaborating with your partners can give you a substantial uplift in your ability to be successful. Um, before we start this, I just want to remind everybody, questions, if you've got questions, type them in. We've had a few come in and we've addressed those as we go, which is terrific, but Feel free to ask those questions, and we'll uh, we'll address Mark and Mel with those. But Mel, as we start looking at <clears throat> the chargeback effect of this pandemic, um, there are several charts that we've looked at with our own data. Some, you know, if you're in the travel industry, this chart is upside down. Uh, we saw transactions drop to the floor and disputes go through the ceiling. Um, but in this industry, we've sort of seen that tracking where both in general have lifted at least in some of these verticals we've seen transactions actually go up but disputes or chargebacks even if the ratios stay the same they are going up as well and what we have seen is some people are having trouble with those and so i wanted to bring you out here and start talking about what are some of the things you've seen with that pandemic chargeback effect over the last several months yeah, so just to kind of like throw out, I, I think, you know, stats are stats, but pretty much what we have seen in terms of research is that total online spending year over year um, has been up or really transactions uh, from 2019 were up about 77% um, in May 2020. Um, it actually, this is based off a Javelin research study, um, it reached $82.5 billion. Um, so as we kind of have been saying and echoing everything in terms of transactions, eyeballs on e-commerce, everything has increased. Um, at the same time, just before the pandemic hit, Visa actually reduced their thresholds from 1% to 0.9%. Um, so you're seeing right now a mass surge in orders, um, in ratios, 
while the card schemes are actually trying to suppress and lower a little bit the thresholds of what they believe to be um, indicators of, I don't want to say unscrupulous practices, but below what they are, are saying excessive risk thresholds. So I don't want to say that things are kind of against merchants right now because, you know, they're not, and there's certainly ways that you can get everything under control. But yeah, certainly, I mean, I think it's everyone, it's common sense to know that things have just absolutely surged as you have put, you know, some stats on the board. Um, so what does that mean for our clients? The ones that really prevailed were the ones that were prepared. Um, they had diversification in place in terms of call centers. They had some internal seats. Um, they had backup fulfillment centers. They had a chargeback program in place. You know, there's a lot of things, um, that preparedness, um, can get you in terms of prepping for scale and um, that's really what this time forced people to do um, and as a result which we will talk about a little bit later um, in the presentation is that we are seeing a lot more people starting to ask okay well how can I prevent these chargebacks completely um, because the chargebacks themselves are never really going to go away um, there is obviously a threshold and a limit to how many you can get. So the best thing that you can do is try to stop them from happening in the first place, um, especially in, I don't wanna just solely say high risk, but it's specifically in the e-commerce um, market that we work in, that is that is typically what we're seeing or what the questions I get asked the most. How do I stop it in general? You know, Mel, you, you brought up a really good point that we saw chargebacks go up just as the card brands were making some uh, probably moves that they wish they wouldn't have made right now. But um, the other thing that I think we're seeing is bad behavior. Um, people were furloughed. They've lost their jobs. You know, how do I charge something back and get money back in my account? Um, our own internal research shows that 81% uh, of those customers file a chargeback just out of convenience. Yeah. And I you mean, mentioned a really, yeah. Go and ahead. I think that's something that can be called, um, there's certainly a balance between being opportunistic or being an opportunistic chargeback, um, you know, or that it's absolutely out of necessity. I will tell you going into this pandemic, I was way more fearful that it was going to affect or catch up to the e-commerce industry um, a little bit more slowly than it did immediately for things like, you know, travel, entertainment, concerts, things like that, where it just got absolutely like decimated. Um, I was, I was expecting more of a slow burn towards that. I am still cognizant and worried about that. I do think that there's been a lot of distraction this year. Um, Mark mentioned, you know, with the election and things going on. So I, I do think that especially after fall, now that we're going through the second wave, that we're not out of the woods for e-commerce and subscription and they're getting as more traffic than anyone right now. So that does still make me fearful. Um, you know, at any point, people who have lost their jobs or can't make these payments, they just want to be done with it. Like you said, in the most convenient way possible. So I guess a little nugget I will throw out here is I, um, I have a 14 month at home, old at home. I feel like I talk about her way too much as John and Mark know, but, um, <laughs> You know, people don't have time right now. And I think that you have to, um, I have no time. And if I know that my bank, because I have a better cu customer service relationship with them is gonna pick up faster, 
than I do with a specific brand. Um, my point is that you kind of have to talk to your consumers like toddlers. You have to remind them over and over again to please call me. You know, um, a lot of my clients have been putting in inserts of just a big stop sign into their thing that says stop, we're here for you, call us. Um, they've just they've been doing chat services. There's not just a phone call to get a hold of a hold of them. So you have to diversify and really pound home the messaging that the bank like customer service lines are longer right now sometimes than even the consumer ones to so just please call the merchant, call the person who um, owns the offer uh, first instead of calling your bank. Um, and I think that that is just doubling down on like customer service type things or the, like one of the biggest things that you can control right now um, for, for that market. You know, Mel you bring up a really good point. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but communication is key. When people don't know, when customers don't know what to expect, they expect, they, they think the worst. Um, if they've ordered something and it's not there on time or they want more information or they want to know the exchange or refund policies and they don't get that information up front, they assume the worst and then of course they call their bank. Um, when we communicate, whether it's via email, text, uh, direct messaging, you know, whatever, to let customers know what's happening, they are much less likely to do those bad behaviors that, that uh, Mel talked about. I, I've got a, um, I got a question in here. I think this is for you, Mark, but both of you can jump in. What types of traffic do you see trending in the pandemic in terms of paid media? Any ideas on that? I was on mute. All right. <laughs> um, I think I think that the that the what we've seen is that uh, a, a large influx, uh, definitely on on email and SMS that we've uh, been able to provide. Some of these uh, guys that uh, uh, that we've had only for certain European countries have uh, expanded their portfolio to US and uh, geos beyond uh, basically the European Union and and uh, the United States. Um, so that's that's something that uh, that's been really successful so far. Um, yeah, and for us, for at least for dating, a lot of it is 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 still like it's still display. People are online. People are. It's a lot of tube side traffic. So that's uh, that's uh, really uh, display heavy for us. Thanks, Mark. Another question, and I'm going to take a stab at this, Mel, and then you can follow up and correct me uh, if I'm wrong. But it said, do you see significant differences between the U.S. And Europe, when it comes to chargebacks, percentage-wise types of chargebacks, and so on, and I don't know if we see a difference in the reasons. We do see a difference in volume. One of the things that I will say is uh, a chargeback usually, well, every chargeback will have a reason code, and I think sometimes we place way too much significance on that code. Um, that code is simply the interpretation that the issuing bank has of what's going on there. And more than 50% of all chargebacks have a fraud reason code. And so um, we've got to look at those codes and go, okay, what is the real instance here? Is this just because they wanted to call their bank and didn't want to call me? Are they mad that I wouldn't give them a refund? Um, or was there a merchant error along the way? Or is this true fraud? And so it really is um, up to the merchant themselves to do that homework to find out what is the real true source of this chargeback. Um, but I, I think other than that, we see a higher volume in the US, 
Um, I'm I'm American, so I can say this. I think we feel a little bit more entitled to getting our money back than maybe other folks. Uh, Mel, anything you would add to that, the differences between U.S. and Europe as far as chargebacks during the pandemic? Yeah, sure. Um, pandemic specific, um, I think that, um, as you kind of said, in the European Union and Mark touched on, they have been under a lot more, um, I don't want to say forced closures, but a lot more um, leadership on and dictation about what they can do with their time and where they can go and what's open or closed, et cetera. So um, I, I do think that there's been a little bit more of an increase in Europe. I also think that culturally chargebacks really work different in each country. Um, issuers based out of specific EU countries sometimes always decide with the consumer no matter what. So we are going to talk about collaboration and we can bring it up, but this is exactly why we partner with people like Edvidi because if Mark is talking to a client um, who and really wants them to expand because he's got great traffic, let's say in France or a specific country, he can check in with me and say, Mel, you know, before we go down this road, how has this been performing on the back end? Like, give us a little bit of insight and intel so that we can help that uh, that mutual client proactively. So I think that's something that's really important. You know, if you're using outside vendors like uh, an affiliate network or a chargeback company, even if it's not, you know, one of us, please be transparent like Mark pushed on. You know, th they should be there to help you. We're there to help our clients scale for the long-term future. So please lean on us for that. Yeah, I think- I think um, that's- uh, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I'm completely with Mel on this. I think that the, that in, the, in an ideal world, uh, if uh, if the if the traffic is uh, if there's if there's certain chargebacks that are that are spiking, um, the worst thing that that can happen is just uh, you know a message of like yeah the traffic is bad, uh, stop the traffic. I think that, that in an ideal world we would love to see um, a conversation happen between uh, the chargeback mitigation uh, company, the advertiser, and the traffic provider in this case us because um, oftentimes it's what I learned from from people like like Mel is that it's it's not it's oftentimes not the traffic it's oftentimes something maybe in, in, in the back end that has been changed or tried out or something new that's been launched or a setting that was wrong and that can be helped and then we can scale back up and we can we can get back to making money together while you know stopping traffic and saying like oh it was bad traffic is is you know it's a, it's a very short-sighted thing I think um, and just to touch on what Don said, I think for what we see is uh, the, the, the EU is as different um, in terms of regulations as, uh, as the people are as well. Uh, the, the, the regulations that you have in, in Germany, for instance, with the, you, can, you can charge back, I think, up to a year and a half after purchase. Uh, there's a, you know, that's that's something very different than, for instance, if you're operating in in, in a place like France, or uh, in a place like uh, like the UK, where they uh, where they do uh, actually uh, preemptive checks and 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 or, or uh, what's the proactive checks of like, hey, do you really want to buy this? Uh, so that's that's something that uh, you know each country in in EU is so much different from each other than uh, than they have in common. So. That's why it's good to have an expert on staff that kind of is working in, uh, I can't remember how many countries you said, Mark, but dozens of countries, you know those regulations, you know uh, what they're gonna be up against, so it's great to have that in a consultative way. Um, you know, Mel, you, you mentioned something, and I wanna, I wanna jump back into this. Keep those questions coming in, though. We've got several questions. We're still gonna get to them. 
But I want to jump into another uh, area here. You know, Mel, you said have a plan, um, a plan for two sides of your chargeback management. And you think you you mentioned that the the prevention side has been more and more important in in 2020 than ever before. And we're start we're talking about pre-chargeback resolution or alerts. And I want you to spend a couple of minutes talking about that, and then maybe a minute talking about what happens if that chargeback does get through, and we do have to to manage that. But um, some of the questions are, you know, what about alerts? You know, why is the focus on 2020? Um, you know, there's been several new products. You know, so what really works, I guess, is the bottom line. Now, can you give us some insight there? Yeah, sure. I think what everyone fails to see and what really I didn't um, really understand about chargebacks is that there are two sides to a chargeback. So in terms of the um, the pressure it puts on the actual client or merchant, every time a chargeback comes through, it also puts a mass amount of pressure on the bank, on both the acquirer and the issuer. So um, in this time, especially when banks, unfortunately, maybe aren't as nimble as some of our e-commerce advertisers are. So what we've really seen through acquisition, and I don't want to say like focus is on alerts, like I'm pushing alerts on anyone because I am absolutely not. Alerts just happen to be the number one question I get from anyone is, again, how can I just avoid it in the first place? I just don't even want to see it um, or in terms of the chargeback. So really, we saw in the past year, um, Ethica, which is an alert provider, was acquired by MasterCard and Verify, which is another alert provider, um, was acquired by Visa. And obviously those are issuers and card schemes um, that went ahead and procured them. So obviously there's a lot of buzz about alerts right now. Um, what we have seen, which is amazing, and what I, I really wanna make sure people understand is that yes, while we resell alerts and alerts are an amazing tool, they are the number one cost factor that can really inundate and tank a, an advertiser's ROI. Um, I, I always like to say that the true cost of an alert is not in the fee that you're paying for each alert, it's really in the refund. And if there's any metric that you should be watching on your campaigns right now, it is your refund amounts. Um, I'm, you should be pro-refund, but obviously to an extent. It's all a math equation and there's a tipping point for everything. Um, so you have to look at where refunds lie in terms of your overall ROI to see where it happens. So for instance, if you have a $100 cart and you're refunding that cart every single time, you still have alerts turning into chargebacks, you're not really any better off. Um, you know, you're, you may have avoided the chargeback, but you're not making any money. So what's the bigger, bigger risk there? Um, what we have seen both Ethica and Verify roll out are two amazing programs um, called now called Order Insight. It used to be called VMPI or Visa Merchant Purchase Inquiry, and Ethica now has their Eliminator program. What these do is it partners with the issuers so that if a consumer calls in to dispute something, instead of just having minimal information, the person at the issuer level at the credit card can actually get mass amounts of data passed back to make a decision and talk through it with the consumer in real time, both avoiding the refund and avoiding the chargeback, which is really best case scenario here. Um, you're weeding out these opportun opportunistic chargebacks um, and it, it really has been something that has been you know, a game changer um, in terms of 
helping merchants hedge the true cost of these alerts. Um, with that, so Mel, so Mel, what you're saying is it's not as much the product because I know chargebacks. We have a, a an enhanced alert product that's a mix of all of these and stuff like that. It's not so much the product that's run the numbers. One hundred percent and. You have to look at all of the factors. You have to look at your refund rate, your cost per alert um, per transaction, the cost to avoid the chargeback, and then also, you know, the win rate. I, I do think that the weakest part of the entire chargeback process is making sure you're getting a correct reconciliation of those um, funds being deposited back into your account from your acquirer. It's very choppy. It's so hard to manage. Um, and it's something, unfortunately, that an advertiser really does have to manage. You know, we can't see a client's specific bank account to see that if a bank told us it was one, that money actually gets put back into the account. So making sure you're building out a process and a forecast, um, which is something that we can, you know, help with, um, is imperative right now in terms of understanding what your true and actual win rate is and that your acquirer if it's saying that you've won something is actually getting the money back to you yeah lots lots to consider there i mean new products new methods but i think uh, like you mentioned it comes down to the numbers you've got to run the roi and see if it works for you but it can be an effective very effective strategy in preventing chargebacks uh, in the first place yeah, and then my last uh, point, yeah. is, sorry, John, is that you no, do that you're working with someone, like we have access to all of the products, which means we can split test, we can turn things off and on, um, very similar to how, you know, Advedia is an affiliate network and you can test different traffic types. You can test different alert types here at Chargeback 911, and that's also something that's really important as these um, companies add and reduce um, service in terms of banks that they partner with. That's terrific. Lots to consider there. I think before we get to the last few questions that we've got, I just want to, it's been mentioned throughout this webinar, and I just want to reiterate it and let Mark and let uh, Mel have a minute to talk about this, and that's the collaboration. You shouldn't feel like you're out there on your own. You've got some great companies that are on your side, putting their expertise together so that you have that better chance of success. You know, I call it the team behind the scenes. Your customers don't see it, but it works on your back end. Mark mentioned, you know, we do a lot of the stuff in the back end that's not really sexy. You know, it's how the sausage is made. But in the end, it's that experience and expertise that makes things easier, better, more cost effective to increase revenue and to protect revenue as you need to. Um, Mark, Mel, anything you want to say on collaborations? And then we've got a couple of questions. I'll let lady, ladies first. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Are you sure? I feel like I've talked my head off this whole time. <laughs> um, term, yeah, I, it is It is really behind the scenes. Um, I, I guess my biggest thing is that you, we are, I don't think I'm seeing it as much anymore, but I think when you're looking at collaborations, right, you want to have the right people collaborating. So, um, you know, uh, any new vendors, maybe like people who, um, do really diversified things. I think a really big thing that people have to focus on right now is who is the true expert and who stays in your lane. Chargebacks 911 will always be just a chargeback company and Advity will always be a traffic provider. 
you know, that way when we know what our core goals are and our core strengths and we reputationally and have the, have been around a long time and proven to be, um, you know, upstanding companies that, that working together is, is essential. So please, you know, vet people who you're working with, um, make sure that the, the people who are giving you advice actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that, that, that is basically the, the biggest commodity we have in this, uh, in this industry. It, it is trust. I mean, we're, uh, we're operating all over the world. We're all uh, isolated from each other a lot of the times. Uh, and there's huge amounts of money going back and forth uh, with, and, and, and uh, you know, to know that you you are getting paid and you're working with the right people and what they're saying is actually what they're doing is just uh, is 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 gold and i think that um that uh partnering uh with uh, with different companies and and having that open conversation is the only way forward to uh to get to that goal where where you know we're actually the best intent is being put forward and uh, i think that um I'm super happy with with how that's going with uh, with Charger 911 on on a lot of fronts from from pre-checking to uh, to to scaling. Um, yeah, and I think that the, I can I just want to say that I think everybody should do it. I think everybody should should tie these these sort of um, uh, relationships to their company and then make themselves better. Well, thanks, Mark. I think it's it's a a track record of success. It's uh, Mel said, staying in your lane. Uh, most people did not get into business to become chargeback experts or to um, run the traffic numbers the way you guys do. They came, got in business to sell something and, and make a customer happy. So that expertise is really valuable. Yeah, I think I think well, that's, the, that's the main thing of, of what we uh, what I start off a lot of conversations when we transition a normal advertiser to maybe somebody that we see as a strategic partner that we. Uh, that we work on an exclusive basis with, or that we are building a product together with, or that uh, we even might uh, uh, have, have ambitions to invest in each other uh, uh, long-term. So the, the start of that is let us do traffic on a performance basis. That's what we can do. That's what we're good at. Uh, we have no ambition of becoming anything more than that. And let you be the advertiser. You know your product best. You know how to how to monetize it in the back end. And, and as, yeah, I think that the, if you stay in that in that expertise, then then good things can happen. But the bridge is the bridge is trust, and the bridge is, is transparency toward each other. You bet. That's absolutely right. We've got a couple of questions and just a couple of minutes left. If we don't get to your questions, we will follow up with a, a response to your questions. You don't want anybody to feel like they have not been heard or their questions not being answered. I'm going to take this first one, uh, and then if you want to add on to this, 3DS is meant to be a fri friendly fraud. Uh, excuse me, I'll start over. 3DS is meant to reduce friendly fraud claims. In the past, it simply displaced the chargeback category from fraud to non-fraud reasons. Do you think card schemes are going to make this more difficult to file these, or will they push acquiring banks towards adopting 3DS version two in Europe? Uh, you know, 3DS V2 has met with, I'd say, lukewarm um, success. I think the biggest issue that you have here is the uh, change of liability. If the issuing bank accepts the 3DS thing, liability shifts to them for fraud or whatever. And so what merchants do is basically turn that responsibility over to somebody else, whether they'll accept or decline a transaction. 
I think there's a place for 3DS. I think if you've got a fraud problem, you should probably look at a true fraud filter first um, instead of waiting for 3DS or V2 or whatever to be acquired or, uh, adopted in many areas. So I think if you feel like you have a fraud problem, meet the fraud problem head on. If you think you have a friendly fraud problem, uh, we at Chargebacks 911 can help you look at that. We've got a report called an ERT, Errors, Risk, and Threats, that looks through 150 different points that help pinpoint what those issues are, and uh, that's a good st a good starting point. Anything to add, you two? Um, I would just say I think 3DS is more adopted in Europe for sure. Um, we while it's maybe curb chargebacks a little bit, I think if, I, I'm not saying that I think 3DS is right to be abused, but I um, I have heard different versions of what people think 3DS is, and it's been a hot topic that people think that they can put it on. It's gonna make every chargeback look like it's true fraud. Um, these issuers are really smart. When they see something shifting to a different reason code, even if it is fraud, they're just going to look at it, realize what's going on within six months, and then put a new rule in place to curb that, that action from happening. So if you want to use it to kind of like do a workaround system, which I do think some people are trying to do right now, totally go for it. But it just might be a band-aid to that solution. And look, if you can get yourself six months, whatever, of like some positive ROI out of it, and it works amazing, um, make sure you, you definitely look at your conversion rates because I do think it affects conversion rates specifically in the United States because it's not fully adopted. Um, and 2.0 is now, I, I really just don't believe that it's truly frictionless yet. Um, that's the only points I have to add for that. Thanks, Mel. Um, another question, and this I think we can handle pretty quickly. I read that Visa and MasterCard suspended their chargeback monitoring programs in April for four months. However, I can't find additional information about this. Where do they stand? Do you have any insights? Um, while they may have put a grace period in place for a few months, it did not change their program. They still expect you to manage chargebacks within the time limits that have always been within, I can't remember, 60, 90 days or something from receiving a chargeback. Mm -hmm. I would not act as though that is um, a hard and fast grace period rule because it's not in the rule books. It's simply something they said, we're gonna help out by doing this. I would manage things just as you've always tried to manage them and meet their timelines and their deadlines and their thresholds um, because it is quite a gray and murky area right now as they start to um, manage those issues uh, as we go into a second wave. And then just any insights? Yeah, they only gave grace periods to two specific verticals travel and entertainment so um, unless you are like a dating advertiser that happens to have a merchant account under like an entertainment code or something like that there was no grace period offered for regular e-commerce merchants it was just travel and entertainment and that is it everyone else is under the exact same constraints and visa and mastercard were very clear about that so i just want to make sure we that that is made absolutely clear yes do the normal timelines pad your timelines, the banks are inundated with chargebacks too. Um, uh, there, is no, there is no grace period for e-commerce right now. Great for clarification, Mel. Uh, the last question, uh, and we'll be done uh, for chargebacks 911, have you considered a revenue-based compensation model? 
um, you know, we have several compensation or or uh, fee-based options. So if you'd like more information, get a hold of us. We'd be happy to go through that. Uh, I think we have run into the end of our time. I want to say uh, thank you to Mark and Mel. Any last-minute best practices, words of wisdom you'd like to give the audience before we sign off? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, uh, <laughs> be responsible. Don't use this chargeback information. <laughs> Don't file chargebacks now that we talked about them a little bit more and you, like lifted a curtain um and share your knowledge and help other people it it you know karma comes back around and i think it's just really important for everyone to to work together right now and and collaborate yeah i think that uh that uh, whether you have a, a company uh of five people or of uh 50 people i think that uh, at the moment you should uh you should uh, spend extra time on making sure that everybody's all right working from home uh, having the, uh, the the pandemic rage outside uh, and uh, you know, really uh, give that TLC to the people uh, that are working for you and keeping you successful. Um, I think, yeah, all the all the people from the industry that are listening, I, uh, I look forward to seeing you all uh, basically next year during uh, hopefully conferences again and uh, talking to you a lot more about these uh, these topics. So uh, stay safe and uh, and good luck out there. Fingers crossed. Have a nice day, everybody. And thanks again to Mel and Mark for uh, lots of words of wisdom and have a nice day. Thank you, Don.